Good morning. Well, I appreciate that response. If you say amen like that, we might be here for a while. <clears throat> Thank you for being here today to join us for worship. Um, we've been in a series called Taste and See. And today is the last message in that series. And I want to begin by telling you about a Frenchman named Michel Lotito, who has an unusual appetite. For some reason, Michel Lotito likes to eat metal. Now let me pause and say this is dangerous. Do not try this at home. Uh, those watching online, I, I really want to make sure you understand. This is, this is not something anyone should try to do. Uh, please, this is very dangerous. You'd end up in the hospital, surgery, or even worse. Do not do this at home or anywhere else. But he does, or he did. He's dead now. <laughs> um, but he is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the strangest diet. From 1959 until 2007, Lotito ate the following things. 18 bicycles. I mean everything. Tires, everything. 18 bicycles. 15 shopping carts. 7 TV sets, including the glass. 6 chandeliers. 2 beds. A pair of skis. A computer. A cash register. And get this. A coffin. He is said to be the only man in history who ended up with a coffin inside the man rather than the man inside a coffin. <clears throat> but that's not the strangest thing he ever ate. And that doesn't compare to his biggest meal. His biggest meal was he ate an entire Cessna 150 aircraft. E every part of it. The glass, the tires, the instruments, the wings, everything. It took him two years to eat it. I think it takes me a little bit longer than that, don't you? I mean, that's just a strange diet. And you can look him up. Don't Google him right now, but you can look it up. And, and I, have, I have checked several sources. This is, this is a man who literally had a strange diet. Now, as strange as that is, God once told one of His prophets to eat something a little strange too. And it wasn't metal, but it still was something a little bit strange that He told this old prophet to eat. And I want to show it to you in the, in the Bible. If you find the book of Ezekiel, if you'll go to Psalms and go to the right, you'll eventually come to Jeremiah, go past that to Lamentations, go past that, you'll find the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 2. In Ezekiel chapter 2, this is the, the heading in my Bible, the chapter heading says Ezekiel's call. So this is the story, the encounter of God calling this, this man to be a prophet. Verse 1, He said to me, God said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. In other words, God was empowering Ezekiel to speak as his prophet. The Spirit of God entered him and God was empowering him to be his spokesperson. 
verse 3, he said to me, Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites to a, what, how does he refer to them? What kind of a nation? A rebellious nation, and you'll see that word more than once, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have been in revolt against me to this very day. So in other words, Ezekiel's primary ministry would be to the Jews in exile, to the, to the people of Israel, if you will, who are living in exile in Babylon. And God makes it very clear to Ezekiel, this ministry I'm calling you to is not going to be an easy ministry. Verse 4, The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. They must have been Baptists. Say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Now, so this is the call to ministry that Ezekiel has. And God warns him up front. He tells him up front. There's no bait and switch. God tells him up front, this is not going to be an easy ministry. This is not going to be, you're going to people who do not want to hear what you have to say. So let's continue as we read about Ezekiel's call, because this is where it gets quite interesting. Verse 7, you must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. We've seen that word a lot, haven't we? But, verse 8, but you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now, don't read any further. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Ezekiel was about to be God's spokesperson. And he says, okay, I want you to open your mouth because I want to give you a message, basically. I want you to preach the words that I give you is what he's going to say to him. In other words, the message Ezekiel was to preach was to be the words of God and nothing else. Open your mouth and I want to give you something. Well, what was it? Verse 9. Then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me and in it was a scroll which he unrolled before me and on both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. Ezekiel was to preach only the words of God, and God reached out his hand and handed him a scroll. Now, the interesting thing about this particular reference to the scroll is that it said it had writing on both sides. That's very unusual. In the ancient uh, scrolls, they were always written just on the inside because you were to roll them up, and it was the inside where the writing was. But this scroll had writing on both sides. It's an indication that this scroll, this message, if you will, was thoroughly saturated with the words of divine judgment. It was covered, saturated with words of divine judgment. And he describes them with these words words of lament, mourning, and woe. Verse 10. That this scroll is saturated with words of lament and mourning and woe on both sides of the scroll. Now, all of that is necessary if you understand what we're about to read in chapter 3. <clears throat> this is where God tells the prophet what he's actually going to eat. Verse 1. He said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth 
And he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it. And watch this. And it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. God called me to preach when I was 17, a month before my 18th birthday. Imagine when God called me to preach as a 17, 18 year old young man. Imagine that God somehow would reach down and say, now take this Bible and eat it so you can speak my words. That's what He did for Ezekiel. He said to the prophet, I'm calling you to be my spokesman and you are to only speak the words that I give you. So here is the scroll. I want you to eat it so you can speak my words. They don't need to hear your words. I want you to be able to speak my words. So eat this scroll, which brings up an interesting question, doesn't it? The question is this, did Ezekiel literally eat a scroll? Well, I've read this text over and over in different translations throughout the week, and I can tell you with certainty, the Bible does not tell us clearly. <clears throat> now, some say that eating the scroll is actually a metaphor, that it was a metaphor for receiving God's message in your inmost being. So that you could speak the words of God. And in fact it begins in chapter 1. Talking about this vision that God gave to Ezekiel. And some say this was part of the vision. And it was just a metaphor for taking in a graphic way of saying if you will. That Ezekiel was to preach only the words that God gave him. And nothing else. And he was to take in the word of God into his inmost being. So he could speak the words of God to others. Some would say no. He actually ate. Literally opened his mouth. And actually ate the pieces of Scripture, the parchment, if you will, one bite at a time. Now, I'm going to let you decide for yourself whether this was literal or whether it was a vision. But one thing that I want you to notice is that Ezekiel describes for us what the scroll tastes like. Now, I need your participation today. I want you to look at verse 3, and, or you can look up on the screen, actually. I forgot we're putting it on the screen. Here's how he, he describes the way it tastes. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey. It's not, the first, it's not the last time you're going to see that phrase. It tasted as sweet as honey. Now remember, remember that the scroll on both sides of the scroll were written words of mourning and lamentations and woe. There's a scroll of judgment to the people. But Ezekiel said, but when I tasted it, it tasted like honey. In other words, words from God are sweet to the taste, regardless of what those words may be, because they are words from God. Now, this is the testimony of Ezekiel. We're going to build a case today. I'm going to ask you to be very patient with me as we work our way through the Scripture. And I'll tell you that I've only got one point. And I'm going to get to that one point towards the end, okay? So we're just going to lay a foundation here so that we can make our one point. I want you simply to, just, to remember how the prophet described his taste of the Word of God. He said, as I, I tasted the scroll, as I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Now, that's the testimony of Ezekiel. Jeremiah was another prophet of God. He had a similar experience. Go over to the left, a couple of books, and find Jeremiah chapter 15. 
<clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 15. I want you to look at verse 16. When your words came, I ate them. And he describes it this way. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Let's break that verse down if you want to look at the screen for a moment. Let's break that verse down for a second. When your words came, you could translate when your words were found. It probably is a reference, or at least possibly is a reference, to the discovery of the law that was discovered in the temple when Josiah was repairing the temple. 2 Kings 22, when, when he had his men repairing the temple, they found the copy of the law. And it may be at that time that Jeremiah took the copy of the law and he began to, to read it and to digest it. Jeremiah says, when your words came, or when your words were found, look what he said he did with it. I ate them. I don't think he meant he literally chewed the scroll. But I think he's saying, I, I digested everything that you said, God. I, uh, I assimilated everything that you said. I, I made it part of me. And as he took the scroll, as he took the words of God, and as he assimilated them, as he took them into his very being, he describes it this way. They were my joy. And my heart's delight. Once again, I want you to notice, here's another man giving testimony about the Word of God and portraying the Word of God, portraying the Word of God as something that is to be enjoyed. Ezekiel, it tastes like honey, something to be enjoyed, as sweet as honey. Jeremiah, it's my joy and my heart's delight. God's word is portrayed again and again as something to be enjoyed. And Jeremiah's testimony sounds a lot like another testimony found in the Psalms. Would you go over to the left and find Psalm 1? Psalm 1 is the doorway, if you will, to the entire book of Psalms. In Psalm 1, verse 2, look what the psalmist wrote about the words of God. But his delight, verse 2, Psalm 1, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Notice that word delight. This is something the person enjoys doing. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he enjoys it so much, he finds it so beneficial, that he, on his law he meditates day and night. In other words, the Word of God is so enjoyable and so beneficial, he delights in it and he meditates on it both day and night. It sounds similar to something in Psalm 112, verse 1. Psalm 112, go over uh, to Psalm 112, verse 1. Mark this one in your Bible as well. Psalm 112 says this. Blessed or happy is the man who fears the Lord. And watch this. Who finds, what's those next two words, church? Who finds what? Great delight in his commands. Who finds great delight in the Word of God. Now let me tell you something. Listen to me. The theme of the Bible being enjoyed and beneficial to your life. This idea that the Bible is both enjoyable and beneficial to your life. That theme is woven throughout Scripture. 
If you don't get anything else today, I want you to understand this. That the Bible is intended, God intends for the Word of God to be both enjoyable and beneficial to your life. I can show you this real clearly in another psalm. If, while you're in psalms, go to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. <clears throat> the theme of Psalm 19 is how God reveals Himself to us. How God makes Himself known to us. That's the theme of Psalm 19. And, and He tells us in the first six verses, look up here for a moment, in the first six verses, that God reveals Himself to us through nature. That's really the summary of those first six verses. For example, in verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. In other words, through the world that God has created, He reveals to us who He is. And, and the psalmist, David, describes that for us in the first six verses. How God reveals to us through nature. And then verses 7 through 11 God not only reveals Himself to us through nature, but David says God reveals Himself to us through His Word. See, the Bible tells us who God is and what God is like and what God expects. And so, it's amazing that this God, who created everything, speaks to us on a personal level. That this God who speaks to us through His creation also wants to speak to us on a personal level through the Bible. You might say it this way, the heavens declare the glory of God, but the scriptures declare the goodness of God. And as you read the scriptures, you find out how really good God is. Notice in Psalm 19 that he, the psalmist describes how beneficial the word of God is. The, the potential for life change Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. He's talking about the potential for the Word of God to change your life as God reveals Himself to you through His Word. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. It should be an enjoyable thing to read your Bible. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. He shows you things you don't normally see. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. And then David says, don't miss this in verse 10. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. That is the word of God. The words of God are more precious to us than gold, than a lot of gold. Because they are the words of God himself. And then David gives us this familiar description. They are sweeter than honey. Than honey. From the comb. They are sweeter than honey. There it is again. David gives us multiple reasons to read the Word of God, but he ends by saying, Let me tell you, one, one of the good reasons to, to read the Word of God is because it is so enjoyable. Sweeter than honey. Than honey from the comb. Anybody ever had honey in a comb? You just, a few of you have. I remember growing up, I don't remember where I got it, but I remember pulling a big old chunk of of the comb, comb and, and eating the honey. And I don't know if you should eat the comb or not, but I did. I'm in Tennessee, we did everything, you know. But, uh, <clears throat> but it was so sweet. I, I can't think of anything sweeter than honey except Ezekiel, Jeremiah. David says there is one thing 
sweeter than honey. And that is the words of God. And you have the opportunity and you have the privilege to benefit from the words of God. So taste and see for yourself. Now, it probably won't surprise you that this is not the last place we see that significant phrase. I want you to go one more time with me. I, I know we're reading all over the Bible, but that's a good thing. I want you to go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. <clears throat> now, just for your information, you may already know this, but Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible, or the longest chapter in the Bible, I should say. I want you to find Psalm 119. I want you to go to verse 103. In verse 103, we find those familiar words. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then he goes on to to describe why the Word of God is so sweet. I gain understanding from your precepts. I I begin to understand things I would not understand otherwise. I begin to... To, to see life from a different perspective that I don't have. I, I gain understanding from your precepts. I, I begin to, to have a perspective that I never would come up with. I begin to see how I need to conduct my affairs and my marriage and my life. I, I gain understanding from your words. That's why it's so sweet. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. And then he says in verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if you look at verse 103, your word is sweet. And verses 104 and 105, your word is beneficial. That theme is repeated again and again throughout Scripture. That the word of God should be both enjoyable and beneficial. In fact, the author of this psalm says the word of God was so impactful in his life. I want you to... All right, are we? Okay. Psalm 119, he says in verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then I want you to skip on down to verse 112. Because the word of God is so impactful in his life, the psalmist says this, my heart is set on keeping your decrees. How long? To the very end. To the very end of what? To the very end of his days. You know, what, you know what he was saying? The psalmist was saying, God, I don't want a day to go past that I'm not in your word because I found it to be so enjoyable and I found it to be so beneficial. I plan to read and live and love your word to the very end. And why not? Listen to me, church. No other book transforms you or teaches you or guides you like the Bible does. Now, other books can be helpful. There are self-help books, and other books can be powerful influences in your life. But the Bible is, has the power to change you from the inside out. And it's like no other book that's ever been written. It's the book that can transform your life and to guide your life. And in fact, the testimony of so many great men of God throughout the Bible is, it is sweet as honey. You see, if I could summarize it for you this way, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to transform us into the people of God. Now, I told you I was building toward one point. 
And here it is. God desires for you to know, obey, and love His Word. Now, I'm going to give you some help on this in a minute, but just write that down. God desires for you to know, to obey, and love His Word. So here's my challenge to you. Taste and see for yourself how enjoyable, how beneficial the Bible can be. Taste and see for yourself. What these other men have said, their testimonies, we've seen Ezekiel and Jeremiah and David and the psalmist, uh, they've given us their testimony of their encounter with the Word of God. Taste and see for yourself how enjoyable and how beneficial the Bible can be. And if you fail to do that, you cut yourself off from the very source of spiritual food that you need to live the Christian life. Now, some of you may say, well, Pastor Keith, I hear you and I agree with you to a degree but Bible study just doesn't work for me. I mean, I've tried it, and it just doesn't seem, I don't seem to get anything out of it. I, I wish I could do what I see other people doing, but, but I really struggle with Bible study. If that's you, I'm glad that you're here today, and I want you to know you are not the only one. Professor Howard Hendricks used to say, he's in heaven now, but in his lectures and in his books, he used to say that there are three basic kinds of Bible students. He said, first of all, there's the castor oil types. You all know what castor oil is? He said, to the castor oil types, the Word of God is not very enjoyable, but it's good for what ails you. And, you, you know, every once in a while, you've got to find a verse to lift you up. Every few days or every week, you've got to find a verse or two to kind of lift you up. You're not feeling really good today. You don't have a good outlook on life. So you, you find a verse to kind of prop you up, the castor oil types. Not very good, but it's, it's good for what ails you. Then he said there's also the shredded wheat folks in church. He said the shredded wheat folks, to them, the Scripture is nourishing, but it's pretty dry. It's like eating a bill of hay. You know you need it, and you do it. But it's just kind of dry, and you really don't enjoy it that much. Then he said, but the third kind is what he calls the strawberries and cream folks. They just can't get enough of the stuff, and they love to read and study and enjoy God's Word. That's a lot like what the psalmist said in Psalm 119. Remember verse 103? How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, I'm about to tell you something that maybe other preachers wouldn't tell you, but I'm just trying to be honest with you. I'm, I'm trying to be transparent with you, so I'm going to tell you something that maybe an, another preacher hasn't told you before. If you find yourself being kind of in the castor oil group, it's like, you know, I know I need it, but occasionally I try it, but I don't really enjoy it at all. I guess it's good for what else. Or you find yourself in the shredded wheat group, and it's like, I'm trying, but it's dry, and I'm just not getting a whole lot out of that. If you find yourself in one of those two groups, I'm about to tell you something that others may not tell you, and here it is. The Word of God is an acquired taste. What do you mean by that? Don't start out thinking you're going to start out with the honey or the strawberries and cream. If you're the castor oil type or if you are the shredded wheat folks, it's going to take you a while, perhaps, to get to the point where, you can, where your testimony is, it is as sweet as honey in my mouth. So it takes a while. You have to acquire a taste for things. For example, 
Um, what's, what's one food that, that you didn't like very well, but you've acquired a taste for it? Name one. Broccoli, all right? Oh, my goodness. Oh, what else? What else? Okra. Gee, I knew somebody would say that. Somebody in the first service said, macaroni and cheese. You enjoy it. Go ahead. In other words, let, let's just say uh, broccoli, because I've started eating broccoli. Let's, let's say broccoli. I, I never, you know, Lisa would put it on her plate. I usually didn't put it on my plate. I, I just, I didn't need that on my plate. But you know what? Oh, I'll tell you another one besides broccoli. Uh, Brussels sprouts. Oh, man, I, you, you couldn't pay me to eat a Brussels sprout. No. But now the way she fixes them, I actually enjoy it. Now, I never thought I would, but I actually enjoy it. But, but it was an acquired taste. Listen, listen. So is the Word of God. It's an acquired taste. So, how do we cultivate that taste for the words of God? How do we kind of acquire that taste or cultivate that taste? I'm going to make two suggestions to you real quickly. I want you to write these down. And, and these are kind of the applications of my one point. How do you acquire a taste for the Word? The first one is going to be, you'll say, that's too simple, and I ex- would expect you to say that. But I, w- I want you to hear it again. I want you to write it down and let me explain it to you. If you need to cultivate or you want to cultivate a taste for the Word of God, here's the first thing. Make it a matter of genuine prayer. Make it a matter of genuine prayer. You see, where do you begin in reading your Bible? Look up here for a moment. Here's where a lot of people begin. They sit down, they open their Bible, and they start reading. I've got to find something to read. I'm going to try Isaiah. Well, that didn't do it for me. Maybe I'll find something good in Psalms. Well, okay, maybe Matthew would be. And, and you're just reading here and there, hunting peck, trying to find that word for the day that will lift your spirit. That's not the place to start reading your Bible. The place to start reading your Bible, the first thing you do is not sit down and open your Bible. The first thing you do is sit down and open your heart to the Lord. That's what I mean by make it a matter of genuine prayer. In other words, the first thing you do is to sit down and watch this. Ask the author of the book to help you understand and appreciate what you're reading. Ask the author of the book to help you enjoy the Word of God. To help you to know and obey and love the Word of God. We have the privilege and the opportunity to actually speak to the author of the book. So that's where you start your Bible reading. Before you open the Bible, open your heart to God. And here's a prayer that you might pray. Let me give you an actual prayer. Lord, help me to enjoy your Word and to see it as beneficial. Lord, I'm trying to come back to this and help me to enjoy your Word and see it as beneficial. And every day before you open your Bible, open your heart to God. Lord, help me to enjoy your Word and to see it as beneficial. Or if you don't like that prayer, i got a second one for you. I actually got this one from Alistair Begg, a Scottish preacher that I occasionally listen to. I really like what he says. And, and he, he says this when he preaches sometimes. He says, make the book live to me, O Lord. Show me yourself within your word. Show me myself and show me my Savior. And make the book 
live to me. And when I'd hear him pray that before he preached or before he was teaching, I thought, man, I wish I could pray like that. And then I started looking this up, and it's actually not his prayer, it was actually a hymn written in the 1940s. And he's claimed it and made it into a prayer. I'm going to claim it and use it too. So just so you know, if you hear me pray that before I preach or before I teach, it's because it speaks to my heart. I'm not trying to copy anybody, but it just speaks to me. God, as I open the Word, make the Word live to me. I'm talking to the author. And before I open the book to teach or to preach, I want to open my heart and say, let the Spirit speak to me through your Word. Because the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to grow us as the people of God. Now, if you don't like either of those two prayers, i got one more for you. It comes straight out of Scripture. It's in Psalm 119, verse 18. And the Word says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You can pray Scripture before you, before you really dig into the Bible. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Psalm 119, verse 18. That's a great prayer to pray as you start your Bible study. So, how do you cultivate a taste for the Word of God? First, make it a matter of genuine prayer. Now, the second one is going to be a little more challenging. I've only got two, so you know that I'm getting near the end of the message. But I want you to really clue in on what I'm about to tell you. Don't tune out. Don't say, oh, that's unreasonable. Don't say, no, that's too hard. If you want to cultivate a taste for the Word of God, I want to challenge you with this. Here's number two. Read one book of the Bible repetitiously for a month. Read one book of the Bible repetitiously for a month. Now, some of you are reading through the Bible for a year. You, you, you're, you're plowing through, you're going to read the Bible in a year. That's great. If you're reading the Bible through for a year, go for it. Some of you are reading the Bible chronologically this year. And if you're doing that, go for it. However you're reading the Bible, I love the way you do it, okay? So you stay after it. But I'm talking to those folks that are struggling. How do I re-engage? How do I get an appetite for the Word of God again? That's who I'm talking to. You see, part of the problem with saying, okay, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, though I've done that and I've encouraged you to do that. Part of the problem is the goal is to get through the text rather than have the text get into us. Just trying to get through the end of the book so I could check that one off and go to the next book. And What if you tried a different approach? What if you read through a book of the Bible in one sitting every day for 30 days? I'm going to say that again. What if you read one book of the Bible every day? You read through the entire book every day in one sitting for 30 days. Now, several preachers have suggested this and authors, so this is not original with me. I'm not trying to take credit for it. But I think it's a great idea, and it's something I'm doing right now. The idea is to choose a book of the Bible. Watch this. Listen. The idea is to take a book of the Bible and to soak yourself in it by reading it and rereading it numerous times. Now, if you want to start this, I would suggest you start with a short book. You know, don't start with Genesis. There's 50 chapters in Genesis. It'll take you a while to read through that in one day, in one sitting, rather. Start with a short book, and I've got a few that I can suggest to you. I suggest you read either 1 John, there's 105 verses in 1 John, James, there's 108 verses in James, or Philippians, there's 104 verses in Philippians. 
You can easily read one of those books in its entirety in one setting, one sitting. I know because I've been doing that recently. I started on Friday reading 1 John. I read through the entire book of 1 John in nine minutes. Yesterday, on Saturday, I must have been tired. I read through the entire book of 1 John in 11 minutes. This morning in my personal quiet time, I read through the entire book of 1 John again, this time in eight minutes. So if you think about it, you can read through a short book of the Bible, like 1 John or James or Philippians, in about 10 minutes. The entire book. Watch this. If you did that every day for 30 days, at the end of the 30 days, you would know that book. Saturate yourself in the contents of the book. And if you're thinking about what you're reading and later meditating on what you've read and, and the, that book becomes just part of your mind because you've read it so many times over and over, then you begin to see how you can apply that book. Then you begin to appreciate what the words of that book are saying. And so my suggestion to you, my challenge to you, is to choose a short book of the Bible and start doing this with me tomorrow. And let's read through a book of the Bible in one sitting every day through the month of June. Again, the books that I'm suggesting, choose any book you want to, First John, James, or Philippians. If you want a shorter book, then go to Titus. If you want a real short book, go to Philemon. There's only one chapter there. But here, I'm going to give you a little bit of a break because some of you are already sweating back there. You just gotta... I'm going to give you a little bit of a break. Let's do it on Monday through Friday. I'm going to read every book, every day I'm going to read through 1 John. Every, tomorrow morning, I'll read the entire book of 1 John. Tuesday, I'll read the entire book of 1 John. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll read the entire book of 1 John. Well, what do I read on Saturday? Read anything you want to. Catch up. <laughs> or or read, read the Psalms. Just read anything. Sunday, the same thing. Just read whatever you want to. But then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to get to know this book. For the rest of June. And here, I figured it up. If you start with me tomorrow and we read Monday through Friday in one of those books, you're reading one book the rest of the month. If you do that, you will have read through that book 19 times by the end of the month. You can take 10 minutes out of your day and read through that book and do it again the next day and do it again the next day and do it again. The, you will have read through that book 19 times. Now, I'm going to explain more about how to do this tonight. So commercial. You need to come back tonight. Because you got all kinds of questions like, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm going to get bored. If I read the same book over and over and over and over for the rest of the... I'm going to get bored. Come back tonight. And I'll tell you about how to handle that. Well, what about if I want to read a big book? You know, uh, like I want to read the Gospel of Matthew, 28 chapters. How, how do, that take a long time to read that in one sitting. Come back tonight i tell you how to do it. And I'm going to give you some practical things that you can do as you're reading the Word of God, hopefully reading a book of the Bible in one sitting over and over and over. Here's what I know. I'll give you a little hint from tonight. Here's what I know. When I get through, when I get, is June 30 days or 31 days? 30? All right. When, when I get to June 30th, I'm going to know the book of 1 John. Because I started on it three days ago, I will have read through the book of 1 John 22 times. I'm, in my mind, I'm going to know what's in each chapter. 
I'm going to know where it is on the page. I'm going to know the highlights of the book. I'm going to know areas where I can apply that book to my life. And I really believe that when I get to the end of June, June 30th, John's going to be a friend I hate to leave. And I'll be able to say the words are sweet as honey. There's nothing wrong with reading your Bible devotionally. Again, if you're reading your Bible, I like the way you do it. But if you need to try something different, taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. That's the verse we started with, Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or the woman who takes refuge in Him. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, David, the psalmist, they all have the same testimony and they all have the same recommendation. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I want you to get to that point too. I want to be at that point too. Join me on the journey through the Bible this month. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that your word is indeed enjoyable. We don't just have to push our way through it, but it can actually be enjoyable and beneficial. You show us how to live our lives better. You show us who you are, what you want us to do with our lives, and you bring us comfort and you give us help. Your word is indeed beneficial. And I want to pray over these dear people, God. I know some of them are, uh, they're reading through the Bible and they're doing well. And, and I just pray over them that you'd continue to bless their efforts, whether they're reading chronologically or reading through the Bible in a year. I just pray you'd bless their efforts. I pray you give them fruit as they read faithfully day after day. I pray the Spirit of God will speak to them through the Word of God. But God, also pray for those that are struggling, those who have laid the Bible aside or those who are trying but they're struggling through day after day. I just pray, Lord, that you'd use the Word of God, that we land in a book and we saturate ourselves, our minds with that book, with the truth that is there. And may the Spirit of God give us enlightenment. Show us, Lord, as we pray this prayer, God, help me to understand the Bible and to see how beneficial it is so that I might enjoy reading what you have written to me. And that's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.